0: Well, we're in a series uh, called um, "Right in the Eye." Some of you are like "Right in the Eye." What does that mean? It's a it's a message through Judges, and um, and last week we began this series, and I I, I tell i I told you this last week, and I'll say it again. I really believe that this God has really put this on my heart. And by the way, if you want to connect. On the Bible app, uh, Bible.com, look for week two at Salt Church. I think I had week one up there as well, kind of running over, so some of you could catch that because there was a hiccup with the technology last week. But um, uh, you can go back and, and, and listen to that, uh, and, and you need to listen to that last week's message. Let me just say this. If you missed last week's message... You need to go back and listen to that message. You need to hear that because it really sets up what right in the eye is all about. Very challenging, very thought-provoking, but very encouraging at the same time, this this message. So we're going through judges. So last week we discussed this, the underbelly of the American dream, really. That I want to do what I want, when I want. I have the freedom to do what I want, when I want. With whom I want, as long, and this is what, you know, it, it sounds great, but we're, we're, we're Christians, or Christian nation, or we're Americans, so we're good people, right? So, so what do we do? We tag this little thing at the end that says, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone. I can do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't hurt someone. But is that really true? And what we learned last week, yes, it does hurt others. Number one, it hurts you and you're somebody. Number two, uh, it, it, it hurts the people that are with you because when you're around people, it eventually hurts them, right? Number three, it hurts the people that love you most. It really hurts your parents and, and, and the loved ones that are closest to you, your spouse or your family and people like that. It really hurts them. And then more importantly, and this is really key, it hurts the people that are coming after you. It hurts the people that are coming after you because here's the deal. All of us are a little off. You're a little messed up, right? Right? All of us are a little messed up. You're messed up. You're you're kind of weird. You're kind of strange. There's something that's just not doing right up here, and you can't figure it out. You're like, why do I always do that thing that I always do? Why do I always make those choices? Why am I obsessive, compulsive? Why do I, why do I just blurt out things? Why do I have this, this uh weird tick or this weird personality thing there's something wrong with me and all of us probably can admit that there's some part of us that isn't right and then we all like become these pop psychologists when we hit about 30 years old right like we we start thinking about oh okay where did this come from and what do we do we say oh it was my mom or, oh, it was my dad, it was my parents, and we blame our parents, and, and, and we figure out, wow, wow, they did that, and they passed that down to me, and that's why I feel the way I do, that's why I do the things I do. And, and why does that happen? Because somewhere along the way, they decided to do what they wanted, when they wanted, with whom they wanted, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, yet it's hurt you every single day of your life. So it's a myth to say that doing what we want, when we want, with whom we want, having that freedom to do that really doesn't hurt anybody because really nobody wins. And you need to go back and you need to listen to that message and you need to get the details of that because what we learned is that is that uh, it, it's expressed in so many different ways. I mean in different times, in different places, in different forms, in different seasons of your life like when you were a teenager it was was a little different than when you were in college right when you're a teenager it was just sneaking out of the house you know uh, that, that's what I would do. I'd sneak out of the house and, and ride my bike around the neighborhood with my, my friends. Right? Yeah. That was like I'm going to do what I want when I want. My parents said I have to be in bed on time. And and there's an yeah, There's always trouble with that, right? Uh, and then you got to go to college. And then some of you had to repeat your first year of college because you decided that you were going to do what you want when you want with whom you want. And then you had to change colleges because you hurt somebody at the previous college you were at. And then you hurt your parents because it they went bankrupt because uh, <laughs> because they paid for your your college and they they lost a lot of money there, so you you, you do hurt people. And then when you get into your forties, you kind of have one of those midlife crises, you know, like you want you're not a teenager, but you want to go back to being a teenager again. So uh, you got more money, but less hair, and and uh, you you buy a car, you do something, you start doing these things that make you youthful again, and 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 it's almost like you revert right back to to where you were before. So these work out in different stages in life, and this is nothing new with ancient Israelites. Okay? They did the very same thing. This is nothing new under the sun. You are not a special case. We are not a special culture. Okay, It's happened in history. And we had in, in, in Israel, during the judges, we had a theocracy. And, and God was the king, right? God was the king, and he laid out the law, and we would follow the law. The people of, of, of Israel would follow the law, and they established this kind of commonwealth type situation. So, so it, what was going on, they were deciding the laws, they were working as a commonwealth, there was no king in that time, and he would assign judges to help people navigate the law, lead people into battle to deliver them from certain enemies. So, God would position certain people in that particular era. And and the narratives in Judges takes place between the time Israel settled in the land. So we had Moses who delivered them from from, uh, from Egypt. And then they come to the promised land with Joshua. Joshua led them in the promised land. Joshua sets up camp, gets everything together. And then we have that stage. And then we have King David about 1050 B.C. King David steps into place. So we have a king that's issued. So that's the age of the kings. So we have about 300... and 30 years where the Israelites had no king, they had no ruler, and they had this commonwealth theocracy type thing going on. And like we learned about last week, the deal with the Israelites is they're like you and me. They don't like being told what to do. (laughs) They didn't like being told what to do, and they would do what they wanted to do, what they felt was right in their own eyes. So you saw this reoccurring thing you saw this cycle take place first of all you saw disobedience like they would they knew god's law and we'll throw that up on the screen they had they were disobedient they were disobedient to God, and then there was disaster that took place. So being disobedient led into disaster. You're like, what happened? Where are we? What's going on? I, I'm in a mess. Uh-oh, we better call for God to help us out. So God comes and delivers them, and then they, they're, they're, yay, God, hallelujah, praise God. He has saved us and rescued us. Let's just go disobey again. And they did it again, disaster, deliverance, disobedience, disaster, deliverance through the book of Judges. We see that over and over and over again. And God had to send judges to help them. And last week, we looked at the final episode of the book of Judges. And what we learned is how horrific it was, how sickening it was. By some people's choices, it started with a simple choice of doing what I want, when I want, with whom I want. Tens of thousands of people were slain A whole tribe was taken out. And and the choices they were making to reestablish that tribe were just terrible. And the book doesn't end with a savior. It doesn't end with a king. It doesn't end with some kind of, yay, we obeyed God and everything's good again. We called out to God. It doesn't end but with this statement, this very statement. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it stops. That's it. Judges is over. Another way of saying this is in those days, there was no binding moral consensus. There was no binding moral law that people stood by. So everyone followed his, his or her own moral compass. They, they, they had their own moral compass. What you do what's right, You do what I'll do what's right. We'll leave each other alone. We'll go about our business, and everything will be okay. What I think is right is right, and what you think is right is right. And, and if, if, if you want to go and do what you think is right, we got different rights. That's okay. So there was no absolute truth. There was no moral compass to build that on. And this is how the very people that God led out of Egypt acted. They didn't have a law that they were standing on and and while the, this end of the book ends like Texas Chainsaw Massacre with some purge kind of in it. I mean, it was it was, it was was definitely a Halloween story. If you missed last week, you missed a really good one, but you need to go back because it was like a Halloween story. It's not the story you would share with any of your kids by the bedside. It's not like the parting of the water, parting of the seas kind of stories that you tell your children at bedside. This is scary stuff. Dad, Dad can you tell me about the chainsaw and the concubine story? You know, no, that's for Halloween, okay? Yeah, because that's what was going on there. Sliced concubines and all, it's just, it's sickening. It's awful. It's terrible, and I don't mean to make light of it, but it was, it, it, it was just an awful, awful situation because of what the people decided they were going to do on their own without God in charge. So it's a little different in this one, though. But we're going we're to go back to the beginning. We're going to look at the Israelites. The book of Judges begins with a scene right out of, like, the last week of church camp. So if you're a Christian and you grew up in church and some of you are like, what's well, church camp? Okay, so, so if, if you went to church camp, you know about the last last night of church camp, right? The last night of church camp is always like that night. You know, like the evangelist has been the youth evangelist has been speaking all week. You've had the worship songs, you've been going, you kinda know everybody now, and you're kind of in this meeting in the last night, and the evangelist just asked you to put everything down. There's just just passion and there's like people are crying, people are praying, and, and I'm gonna go back home and I'm gonna I'm gonna give up everything. <laughs> I'm gonna give up everything. I'm gonna go home, I'm not gonna smoke anymore, I'm not gonna sneak and, and drink anymore, I'm not gonna I'm gonna get rid of those friends. I'm gonna break up with that boyfriend, I'm gonna break up with that girlfriend because I'm going to do it God's way and that lasts about a week (laughs) that lasts maybe maybe a month and then you kind of go back to 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 the same thing or where you were before you kind of come out of that and that's how Israel is that's how ancient Israel was during this period Um, and and let me just take you there because at the end of Joshua's life this began a new era and, they have, and, and they're and they having their final campfire, their final thing, you know, and they're like celebrating God and what God had done. Here's what Joshua does in Joshua 24:14. if you're following me. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness, with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods, and he was very adamant about this. You've got to throw away the gods of your ancestors' worship. He's talking about Egypt and all the stuff that came in. Beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt... And so, basically, he's saying you got to break up your boyfriends and girlfriends. You got to throw out your cigarette. You got to throw cigarettes. You got to throw out that that that, that uh, liquor you have in hidden, stashed under your bed. You got to get rid of all of those little things. You got to get rid of those things because you need to serve the Lord. Then the people answered, and here's here's what they say because this is what we do after church camp, right? Far be it from us to forsake the Lord and serve other gods. I mean, we would not do that, right? I mean. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our parents out of Egypt. So, yeah, we're looking back, we see they brought us out of Egypt and the land of slavery and and performed those great signs before our eyes. I mean, why in the world would we forsake them? We, too, will serve the Lord because he is God. Then Joshua kind of picks on him a little bit. He says, will you really? Are you really going to do this? I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure if y'all are going to, you, you got to hear me here. Are you going to do this? And then the people, they, 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 they respond. But, but the Lord said to, uh, or the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua dies. And, and not even before the flowers on his grave die, they have rebelled against God. They, they, they said they would serve the Lord. And we go into Judges chapter 2. Verse 11, and it says this, and, and this is after the big camp meeting. This is all. It's not, just, it's not too far after this. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord and God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt, and they followed and worshipped, and meaning they devoted themselves to. Some versions say they devoted themselves, they, they followed, and they worshipped various gods of the people around them. And they, they aroused the Lord, and, and uh, go back to verse 12. And they forsook the Lord, their God, their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt to follow and worship other various gods. And they arose, uh, they, excuse me, they aroused the Lord's anger. They aroused the Lord's anger. So the Lord was angry because they forsook him and served Baal and the As- Asterith, the Ashtoreths. Which Asteris is, is just a, a god, a, a female god, bell god. In case you're wondering, so he's talking about bells and Asteris, and and it wasn't simply the bell represented, uh, the the bell that was represented as a, a god that was overthrowing God necessarily. Here, here here's the deal, uh, the people understood that they are not to put any other gods before God. And God certainly didn't like that. You know, the Ten Commandments, you got Moses and all that. But it was, it was much more than that. What arose God, uh, God, aroused God's anger? Arose, aroused God's anger. What aroused God's anger? What made God angry is that the people worshiped them, fully devoted themselves and worshiped them. Here's what they were doing. When things would get really bad, when things would get bad, when they needed they needed the gods to respond to them, these 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 bells when they needed them, they would sacrifice themselves. They would sacrifice their people to the gods. When it got really bad, when it got really bad, they would sacrifice their children. And we just had a child dedication and, and we, we we had an emotional moment. These people would sacrifice their children to the gods. When it got really, really, really bad, they would sacrifice multiple. Children. These are Israelites, the God, the true God who led them out of Egypt. They would sacrifice their children, multiple children. And in one case in history, they sacrificed uh, all the, the wealthy of the land, sacrificed every one of their firstborn to the gods, to appease the gods. And this did not make God, Yahweh, happy. This made God angry. And it aroused the anger of Yahweh. And it says this, In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. And they were in great distress. So God said, you want to be like the Canaanites? You want to look like the Canaanites? You want to act like the Canaanites? You want to adopt their ways? Then have at it. I'll let them take you over. I'll let them enslave you. You want a choice? I'll give you a choice. Where you don't have a choice. And ultimately, the people that they wanted to be like, that they made the free choice to be like, to step out and be like, ultimately enslaved them to the point that they didn't have the choice. He says, you abandoned me freely? Well, embrace them freely. And then... Do it to the point where you're not going to have any freedoms. So, Israelite, and here's what Israelite did. Israelites did. Israel did. They simply traded one king for another. They simply traded one king for another. In their attempt to throw off authority. In their attempt to say, I have the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, they found themselves under the authority of something else. They lost their freedom. They did what they thought was right. But in, ultimately, they said, this isn't right. So they did this through Scripture. They, they forsook the Lord. I'll do what I want when I want. They followed the people around them. Is that familiar? We just follow the people around us. They, they did that. They ended up doing what everyone else did, right? And they surrendered. They ultimately surrendered their freedom. They lost their freedom to choose. They were no longer able to resist it, the scripture says, and they tried to fight and they lost. So here's the point of today's message. The thing that always slips in, always gradually comes in, and we like where did this come from? How did this happen? It never happens overnight. Uh, when, when we do what we want, when we want, with whom we want, eventually lands us in a place where we can't quit doing what we want, when we want, with whom we want, and eventually we don't want to do what we want, uh, when we want, with whom we want, because we don't like it and we're stuck in it so we ultimately lose the very thing we did we we practice our freedom that American thing we practice our freedom I'm going to do what I want when I want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody and then it ultimately comes back to own us because Israel simply traded one king for another and they were no longer able to resist They could not freely go back. They were locked. They were in prison. They were enslaved. So there's a lesson for us all here. Uh, All of you have your own story. Uh, Whether whether you grew up in a a religious home or you're a church, you were raised in a church, you went to church when you were younger, or maybe you just have a a good conscience so you you know what it's right or wrong is, and, and, and you abide by those. Wh- wherever you are, you would say, I, I think I have clarity around what God says is right or wrong. But at some point, you said, I think I'm going to do what I want to do. I, I don't like this Christian thing. I don't like being like uh, this, this Jesus follower or being a part of this uh, thing. I don't want to go to church. I, I don't want to do any of that stuff anymore. And, and, and it might not have happened right away, but it was gradual and to the point. But somewhere along the way, you walked away from God. You turned your back on God. You said, you know what, I don't want this anymore. And maybe you weren't even a Christian. Maybe some of you are just kind of kicking the tires about this Jesus thing. But, but you grew up in a home that had good values. And at some point in your life, you said, you know what, I think I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do what I want. And I certainly don't want to trust an invisible God because he's not there for me anyway. And then one day you wake up and you're like, oh, No. <laughs> What have I done? I I didn't gain freedom. I lost my freedom. I don't have my freedom anymore. And without even meaning it, because it always slips up on us, always comes in, without even knowing you traded one king for another. Now let me say this, and some of you probably aren't going to like this. Some of you are going to send me emails, probably. Some of you are going to walk out of here and you're not going to come back to church. Maybe that would be the case. I, I don't know. But here's what I want to say. You were created to be ruled over. You were created to be ruled over. You were created and there is a creator. And you were never created to be your own king. You were created to be ruled over. That's why when you choose to forfeit the king of kings, you choose another king. Because you were created and you were meant to be ruled over. It's not popular, but true. There's no such thing as total autonomy, okay? There's no such thing as total autonomy until you can control your birth and you can control your death. You're not completely autonomous. Not only that, if you were completely autonomous, no one would really like you, okay? C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce, and he talked about, um, it's basically hell. It's about hell, and everybody could create what they wanted by just simply thinking about it. And everybody wanted what they wanted, with the, when they wanted, with whom they wanted, whatever. And eventually nobody liked anybody and everybody was isolated. And, that, and that's a lot like, and he was demonstrating that can be a lot like hell, if everybody just did what they wanted, when they wanted, with whom they wanted. Because nobody really is autonomous. Nobody would like you if you were, if you had complete freedom. Because you were created to rule. And when you say no to God, don't you eventually trade it for another king? Another God? When you throw off God's authority, you eventually place yourself under the authority of something smaller and less compassionate. And less loving and less concerned about you. And when you throw off moral, religious, and ethical restraints, you're, you surrender the rule of these little kings... The mercifulest, the unmerciful, the unforgiving little kings that rule our life. Let me just give you a few of these kings. If we'll pop them up on the screen, I'm not going to go over all of them. We could list a lot of little kings. But here's just a few. The first one, Appetite. And, and maybe you have it. You, you know, you struggle with that. You got this appetite, and whatever that might be, fill in the blank for that appetite. You might say, you know, I, I struggled with that. I, I want to be done with this. I don't want that appetite anymore. It, it comes back to get me. And I've said no. I said no. And finally, you just said, I'm tired of being a failure. I'm tired of doing this. I give up. I'm doing it. And all of a sudden, you can't say no to that appetite. You can't say no to that thing because it has ruled you. Your appetite now rules you, and there is no way out. Maybe it's insecurity, uh, where, where you work or where you play. It's it's kind of like you're a stranger. It's really strange because you're a Christian, right? And and it's hard for you because the people around you they probably don't invite you to the stuff that they go to. They don't you know they kind of wander around and talk around you and about you. And because you're like this this Christian, this this Jesus follower or, or whatever it may be, and, and and they're thinking that. And you're like you're like I'm done. I I I don't want to do this anymore. So you decide I'm going to quit playing the Christian game and I'm just going to be a part of the group. And it and all of a sudden, you've determined that you are enslaved by your insecurity. You don't look like yourself. You don't act like yourself. And you can't get out of it because you're so interested in what others think about you rather than what God thinks about you. And it has enslaved you. And then it's fear. And then there's compassion. And then there's lust. And then there's greed. And then there's consumption. And then there is Family, history, that can be your little God. Because for some of you, the number one goal in life is to say, I am not going to be like my dad. I am not going to be like my mom. I refuse to repeat history. And, you know, I'm not going to let history repeat itself. So one day you decide to abandon God because of it. Because you've determined in your heart, I am not going to be like them and what they've done. But let me say this. And this is, this is real, this is, this is, this is it, guys. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something, and you're just going to have to accept it because I've seen too many cases of it, and I've seen it happen too many times. But if you turn your back on God, whether it's intentionally or accidentally, you turn your back on God, and you trade God for the little God of family history, your family history will repeat itself. Every single time. It's not that I'm smarter. It's not that I got a lot of psychology degrees. I have zero psychology. I talk, and I ask a lot of questions. I do a lot of counseling, and I know your family history will repeat itself. You were made to be ruled over, not controlled, and the best way to break the chain of your family history, perhaps, is turning to a God who actually loves you And has the best interest for your family. And your future family. And those who are coming after you. Why not say yes to God as your king? Because the little gods, they tempt you and they declare, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, you do what you want, when you want, with whom you want. It's going to be great. And they're going to try to push you and they're going to say that. But who in the end will lead you to a place where you cry, I can't. I can't give up, I can't give up this, I can't change. And, and, and so many people are trapped in that. I, I, I want to go back to the way it was where I thought clearly, I, I, I liked myself, I s- surrounded myself with healthy people that led me in the right direction, going the right direction, but I can't seem to get back there. I can't seem to get back to that clear conscience of the way it was at one time. I, I can't get back there because the little kings, and this is why it's like this, because the little kings don't love you. They don't care about you. They, they're not interested in your mind. They're not interested in your best interest. They don't have your best interest in mind. They're unloving. They're not compassionate. And they don't care. Uh, they don't want the best for you. So why is it that it's always easier to say no to God than to say no to the thing that substitutes God? Why is that? Why is it easier to say to say no to God than to say it to the thing that it's easy to say yes to the things that has control over us, right? Why is it easier to say no to God and yes to the destructive relationships that you're in or the relationship that you're in? Why is it easier to just say, you know, no, 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 God, you know, I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what I want, and I feel like this is the right way, and God says no, and you say yes. And why is it easier to say yes to that relationship? Why is it easier to say no to God and yes to that thing that has become a habit in your life? Like, God, I, I got it. I got it under control. It's no problem. I, I just, you know, leave me alone. Why, do, why is it easier to say yes to those kings and not to God? Why is it more difficult to, 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 uh, to say no to the Creator and say yes to the created thing? Why is that? Why is it harder to say no and say yes? Because the little kings are not merciful. The little kings never give life. They take it and they want to control you. There's no freedom under the canopy of the little kings there's only control they do not offer you freedom at all but you need to write this down you need to make i'm going to make this all you online you need to type this down type it in whatever absolute freedom is only found under the canopy of god's authority absolute freedom maximum freedom is only found under the canopy of god's authority. God's authority brings freedom. Any other authority does not bring freedom. The little kings control you and that's why it's harder to say no to them because they have control over you. But God gives us the ability to have choice and have freedom under his canopy. Canopy. So Judges 3 says and the anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of the that word and that word. Okay. I just figured I would do that so I didn't have to embarrass myself trying to pronounce it. I tried. I had it down the other day and then I practiced it this morning. I couldn't do it again, so I decided just to skip over that word. To whom the Israelites were subject for 8 years. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a grammar person, so you know, and my wife reminds me of that all the time. So he said, "Don't don't want me as king?" "You don't want me?" Okay. I 'll give you these guys at least you could spell my name. <laughs> I mean, I mean, eight years they suffered under a king whose culture they adopted, and in conclusion they they, they they uh they gave up their freedom, they gave up their rights, which they thought well, I could do what I want when I want, with whom I want, complete freedom, which ended up subjecting them, which ended up in our attempt to do what we want, with whom we want, when we want, we simply trade one king for another. We're going to choose a king. You're going to have a king over you. You're going to have a master over you because you were created to be ruled over. But absolute freedom is found under the authority of Yahweh God, a king. A king who loves you, a king who cares for you, a king who understands what you're going through, a king who 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 isn't interested in controlling you, a king that's interested in bringing you complete freedom. And as long as you attempt to, you will eventually find yourself if you serve other kings at the mercy of a little king, and, and, and when you're at the mercy of a little king, and uh, you're like, I can't, I can't get out, I'm stuck, I'm imprisoned. But as a pastor, one of the greatest joys in my life is watching people return to the king, watching them choose a king, a godly, a God, a father. A loving father, a loving savior. But my greatest sorrow is knowing that we can't regain the life that was lost while we're serving the lesser kings. That's why I'm so passionate about these things. Because you can't get back your 20s, you can't get back your 30s, you can't redo some of those events and those things that happened in the past, you can't reparent your children. You can't redo a first marriage. When those years and experiences are gone, they're gone. But the great news is this. The great news is this. No matter what happens, no matter what your past, no matter what you've been through, you can always cry out and say, God, that little king that has controlled me, he's waiting for you to call him king. He's waiting for you to call out for a deliverer. And that's what the book of Judges shows us. There is a king, there is a God that he's just waiting for you to surrender to him. So don't be deceived. Those who do not or who do what they want when they want and with whom they want will eventually discover that it leads to another king. But wherever you are in your Christian walk, maybe you're a mature Christian, maybe you're starting off, maybe you don't know the Lord at all. What I want to instruct you today is that we have a Savior, a God. And and all of us can say, even, even I can say, and you can say that there have been kings in our lives. that that have controlled us and have have pushed us to do things that we really don't want to do do when we want to do them, with whom we want to do them. And we never did in the first place. We thought we did, but when we got there, we realized that we didn't want it. And we certainly don't want it now. But perhaps some of you here today need a Savior, a King, the King Yahweh, the true King, a Heavenly Father that loves you greatly. That's why Jesus invites us to call the Father a good Father, our Heavenly Father. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I-, I, want you, I want you to take this moment. Some of you have been struggling for a long time with some of these little kings. You have little kings over your life. I want you to just in your own process, in your own prayer, just, just reach out to God right now. Don't resist Him. Don't turn from Him. Don't turn your back to Him. Because the little kings ultimately enslave you. But God wants to bring true authority, freedom under his authority. Just surrender it to him. Just, God, I give you every bit of me right now. Lord. All the things that I've been through. All the things I'm going through. And all the things I'm struggling with. God, I believe that you have the answers. God, be authority over my life. Be king of my life. Come and set your throne in the heart of my life. Believe it and receive it, in the name of Jesus, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed still. Maybe some of you here today, you've you, you never even made Jesus king of your life. You come here kicking the tires, trying to figure out the Jesus thing, maybe. But something called you, or there's a reason you're here today. And maybe you need true freedom. You need to experience freedom for the first time. The Bible says that Jesus came to this earth, the Father that good father sent him, his only son, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could know him, so he could be king of our lives. And if you receive him, he who confessed their sins and believes in the name of the Lord, he who calls on the name of the Lord, a deliverer, a king, will be saved. You can make that decision today, right now. He gives you the choice. That's the beauty of God. So pray this with me. If that's you today. The Holy Spirit's pulling you. Something's pulling you inside of you. Make that decision today. Jesus, I I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sin. God, I surrender my life to you. I make you Lord. I make you King. I go from one King to another. In Jesus' name, amen. Can y'all give God a hand clap of praise?